Amen. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, you will find these words. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Saints of God, I want to talk to you today a few moments from the thought, getting out of our own way. Getting out of our own way. The letter to the Philippians is one of the letters that is part of a compilation of letters called the prison epistles. The letters uh, to the Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in jail in Rome. The apostle was not in a place of comfort, in a place of freedom when he wrote this particular letter. But if he did not tell you in the letter that he was in prison, amen, there is nothing in this letter that would not tell you that he was free. See, Paul understood that freedom did not come from the outside. It comes from the inside. There are a lot of people going where they want to go and doing what they're wanting to do today, but they're not free. They're not free because what they think they want to do, they're really upon the, the, the mastership of an evil one by the name of Satan. So really, they are bound on the inside and free on the outside. It is better to be free on the inside and bound on the outside. There is something else about this letter that should grab our attention, and that is that Paul did not allow his situation to cause him to look inward but he continued to look outward. That is something that every Christian should continue to meditate on and to put into practice in our lives. We're all going through something at some time. If we're not in a storm, we just came out of one. If we're not in a storm, just hold on, another storm is on its way. There's one thing or another. It's a health storm, a financial storm, a relationship storm, a business storm. There's storms everywhere. Sometimes it's just a storm in our own mind. 
Everything is going well. Health, strength, relationships. But for some reason, bad thoughts have gotten into our mind and we have gone into worry about something that we shouldn't be worrying about at all. Storms. But the way to get past these things, the way to respond to them properly is to get out of our own way. It is our own nature, our own flesh that these things come that are called worry and those issues of, 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 of panic that we have comes out of our flesh. It does not come from the Lord. Amen. And so we have to learn how to get out of our own way. We, one of the ways that we get out of our own way is to focus on the well-being of somebody else. Because that allows us to get our minds off of ourselves and onto somebody else. And you can do nothing greater than to focus on the well-being of someone else. Because in that, you epitomize what Jesus was all about. Jesus did not focus on himself. In this very letter itself, in the second chapter, Paul admonishes the Christians at Philippi to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he says that he counted it not robbery to be equal with God. And what that means is that Jesus did not count it an issue or something to be grasped, to hold on to his position in glory, amen, and his equality with God, but he made himself a servant, came down and put himself in a bodily form, into flesh, to be a servant for the greater good of somebody else. Everybody in here, because Jesus decided not to focus on himself, but to focus on others, we are here today. So the best thing we can do is focus on the well-being of somebody else. Paul the Apostle epitomizes a place of suffering and even while he is suffering in a dingy and dark and diseased dungeon, he still is focused on the believers at Philippi. He is in chains and they are free, but his mind is made up that he's going to bestow more worth on others than he does on himself. That is the Christian. That is the believer in Jesus Christ. That is the follower of the master. We got to get out of our own way. Look at the text. He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. Some of the things that he talked about is how he had... His pedigree. He he talked about how he was uh, one who was uh, in line with the circumcision of Abraham. He was in covenant with Abraham because he was part of the tribe of Benjamin and was circumcised on the eighth day. Not on the ninth, not on the seventh, right on time. Amen. He was talking about how he also was of uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, he, He was one who was not just a rank and file Hebrew, but a Pharisee. He talked about how When he says that of how he had the great education, we know that Paul uh, studied under the great 
a, a priest, his name was Gamaliel. He was a great teacher of the word. He went to the best schools and he got the best honors. Amen. In order to be a Pharisee, you had to be smart. You had to have a good IQ because one of the stipulations of being a Pharisee is that you must memorize all 613 laws. You must memorize the Ten Commandments and the 603 religious, ceremonial, and ritualistic laws of the Word of God. And Paul did it all. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am a Pharisee. But he says, all of that, all of my accolades, all of my career accomplishments, all of my pedigree and degree, all of that I count as loss for being in relationship with Jesus Christ. What is it that we will give up to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. What is the things that we value the most? Are we willing to let them go? To grab hold to Jesus? Or are we deciding to keep hold of these? And hope Jesus will come along for the ride. But I contend with you today that Jesus is not a God that's wanting to share his love with anybody else. Or anything else. There has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a breaking away from one to get to the other. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You must love the one and hate the other. Despise the one and serve the other. It doesn't work like that. There's no gray areas here. And he goes on to say you cannot serve God and mammon. You, you cannot serve God and materialistic things. You cannot serve God in organizations. You cannot serve God in relationship. No, God must be first. And everything that comes out of that relationship flows into others. Anything that gets in between you and God is nothing but idolatry. And God said, I am a jealous God. And I will have no other gods before me. Getting out of our own way. Getting out of our own way is an issue because by nature, we are wicked. By nature, we have what's called the flesh. The flesh, out of the flesh comes envy and strife and backbiting and gossip, lying and stealing and killing. It comes out of the flesh. And this flesh we all have. Amen. Nobody comes into this world without being plagued by the flesh. But for us as believers, the good news is that now we have an advocate. We have someone to help us battle the flesh. And his name is Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the fifth and the sixth chapter of Romans that the Holy Spirit is given to us that we can use the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh. But you still have a decision to make. See, God gives his people free will. As Mother Dillwood says on many occasions that God puts in front of us a blessing and a cursing. You choose. Are you going to choose Christ? Or are you going to choose the world? Wow. 
But Paul says, even though I am in chains, I count all that for loss. I could, uh, I could appeal to my Roman citizenship. I could appeal to my pedigree as a Pharisee to get me out of this prison. But he says, no, I'm going to stay right here for the sake of God's people. Paul says in this same letter that he knows that him being in chains is an encouragement to God's folks. That they can see that even though he is in one of the worst places and the most unattractive place to be, that he still has joy. That he's still rejoicing in knowing that the Lord loves him and that he is God's own. He is not affected by his physical environment because his spirit is free. Saints of God, we have got to learn how to not allow our physical environment to toss us to and fro, to deter us from staying on the righteous road, to start going to the left and the right because of circumstance. We have got to get our compass fixed on true north in Jesus Christ. That no matter what comes, we never lose our joy. We always come to rejoice in the Lord because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We don't rejoice because we're gifted. We don't rejoice because we're not gifted. We don't rejoice because we got a good relationship. We don't rejoice because we got a good job. We don't rejoice because our family is doing fine. Because those things will change. Someday somebody's sick. Someday somebody's out of work. Someday somebody's gift ain't working like it normally does. But when you rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can rejoice always because your name will never be blotted out of that book. No matter if you're on a mountaintop or in the valley long, your name is in the book. Amen. Look at our text. He says, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says here, he says all of this pales in comparison. It means nothing when it's put up beside the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. All my pedigree, all of my background, all of, all of the rituals and everything else that's been done right, all of my IQ and EQ, all of my memory and knowledge, all of my degrees, they all just keep going down and down when it comes to the excellence of knowing Christ. I want to say to us today, how much do we value knowing Jesus Christ? How important is that to us really? How often do we think about how good it is to know Jesus Christ? How good it is to know how he thinks and what he wants of us and what he's done for us and to intimately be able to call upon his name and that he will answer. To know that when you talk with him, he will talk with you. How much value do you put on that? And when you put beside your 401ks and your retirement plans and, 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 and your social security and everything else, your cars and your houses, when they are on the weighted scale against knowing Christ, how do they fare? Well. 
Or has knowing Christ just become, I don't know, something to do? It's something that we've done and we just do it because it's something to do. Or does it really have center stage in our lives? The only way that that can happen is we got to get out of our own way. Amen. Because righteousness has to be worked on. It's not something that just maintains itself. Unrighteousness is always in a fight to supplant righteousness. The Bible says, he says in Romans chapter 7, the apostle says, he says, there is a war going on on the inside. He says it's the spirit against the flesh. They fight one another. He says, and for this reason, that which I would do, that's not what I ended up doing. But that which I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. It's not easy, amen, but it's possible. But it first starts with getting out of our own way. And treasuring and holding precious the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Knowing him. But this word know, amen, we talked about this word in Sunday school as well. It's not just intellectual assent. It's not just, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know about Christ. No, it's an intimate relationship with Christ. To where he talks to you about things that he doesn't talk to the world about. That he talks to you about things that he doesn't talk to folks who ain't related to him. Amen. It's like in a family circle. There are things that go on between mama and child and siblings. Amen. That the rest of even an extended family doesn't know. It's an intimate relationship. How much do you value that? That you can talk to Jesus about anything. Amen. And he is interested in knowing the affairs of your life. That he's not just interested in what we think is the biggest things. But he's also interested in the small things. The things that nobody else knows about but you. That is in your mind, in your circle, that nobody else, no matter how close they are to you, know, but you know God is interested in. And that you can talk to him about it anytime. And he is willing to listen because he loves you. How how valuable is that in opposed to all the other things that go on in our life? How how much value is that in uh, our best teams and those things that we hold up and we care about, our clothes and and, and just all of the creature comforts? How important is knowing Christ? I contend again, in order to get to that place, we got to get out of our own way. Let's look at the text. We see in the text that for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Losing that which you once loved causes suffering. It's not easy and it's going to be painful, but it's worth it. That's what Paul is saying today. It's worth it. If you got to lose all of your valuable materialistic things in order to get in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, it's worth it. Paul said, I count all that as rubbish. 
I count that as trash to be thrown in the trash bin and flushed down the toilets. That's what he means by that. He says, I take these degrees down. I take these relationships with the professors. I take my Hebrew background. I take my, my relationship to the tribe of Benjamin. I take my circumcision. I ball it all up and I throw it in the wastebasket for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It means nothing. It took my whole life, Paul says, to get these things. But knowing Christ, I'm willing to throw them all away. Because I realize that all of that stuff is temporary. That it's not going to make it past the grave. But knowing Christ will last for an eternity. Knowing Christ will get you past the hump. Knowing Christ will get you from time into eternity. Knowing Christ will get you past pain into everlasting pleasure. Knowing Christ will allow you to get to enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It's knowing Christ. We got to get out of our own way. And as I wind up this sermon on today, we see that he says, And to be found in him... Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is by faith that we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us by grace we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. We got to get out of our own way. We got to get out of saying, Lord, look at me. Look what I've done. Look how good I've been. Look what I've done. How I trusted you to do this and how I did that. How I helped the old ladies across the street. How I gave to this charity. How I did this and did that. How I trusted you through this problem. That. No, it's not about I. It's about him. Because without him, we can do what? Nothing. We got to get out of our own way before we can know Christ intimately. The text says, this thing comes by faith and it's not about us, but it's all about God. Because the righteousness that comes by the law does not credit to our account. Our Bible study class knows we've been looking at this very thing in Bible study. Uh, that works does not credit, but works debits. The more you work to be righteous, the more in debt to unrighteousness you become. Because when you say, I can do this, you're saying that the source of my righteousness is from me. Well, if you know the reality of who we are, 
we are unrighteous by nature. So the best we can do is produce more unrighteousness. The best we can do is call God a liar. Because when we stand up and say, I got this, Lord, and I've done this, and I can do that, what we're saying that God is a liar. Because God sent his only begotten son to take our place. He took him to be the once and for all propitiation for sin. Because man couldn't do it, Jesus had to do it. So if Jesus didn't have to do it, then God's a liar. So right there in your own attempt for righteousness, you're sinning. So all you're doing is building debt and you're not adding any credit. That's why it has to be a foreign righteousness and not a domestic righteousness that comes from us. Because the best we can do is fall short of the glory of God. Are y'all following me today? So now we realize that we are by and in ourselves in a hopeless state. And that we need a foreign righteousness that has been able to accomplish that which we could not accomplish ourselves. It is Jesus Christ who said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. That which man kept falling short of, I will do so that you can do it within me. Amen. Christ has to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so we realize that in order to gain this righteousness, we've got to get out of our own way. Because in our own way, there's unrighteousness. In our own way, there is guilt. In our own way, there is lying and backbiting. In our own way, there is looking down on somebody. In our own way, there is seeing ourselves better than somebody else. In our own way, there's looking inward and not looking outward. In our own way, there's selfishness instead of selflessness. When we're in our own way, we got to get out of our own way. We got to be able to, no matter what our circumstance is, to look for the benefit of somebody else. When we do that, we epitomize the mind of Christ. Because we don't look at our own comfort to be something to be grasped. But we let it go willingly to take care of somebody else. Today, saints of God, I just wanted to talk to you a little while from that thought because we are in a time that suffering is going to increase for us. It's not going to get easier for us Christians. It's going to get harder. But even in the midst of that, some of us may have to go to jail for our faith. Some of us may be killed for our faith. But whatever state, we always got to be looking for the betterment of somebody else. It's simple, but it's not easy. But it's what God has commanded in us. And God does not command us to do nothing that he doesn't give us the supply to do. When he says to love your enemies, to pray for those who despitefully use you, you can do it. It may hurt. It may chafe a bit, but we can do it. When we're out in the marketplace and we're out at work and we're talking to unbelievers, that's your enemy. Because they are of the world, and being of the world is enmity with God. And if they have enmity with God, they are enemy of yours because you are a child of God. But you have been called to go explicitly out into that marketplace with that hostile environment and share the good news of Jesus Christ. To love on those who are unlovable. To love on those who scandalize your name. To love on those who set up traps for you. To love on those 
that they might know the same Christ that you know. It is imperative for you and I to love on those who are our enemies. What other way will they get to know the Christ except by us? Because God has used us uniquely as the vessels, as the instrument by which he is sharing the gospel with the world. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God bless you and God keep you today is my prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. This time the doors of the church are open. Amen. Somebody may be here, amen, today that wants to get to know Jesus Christ intimately. Maybe saying today, I know about him. I've heard what mama and daddy has said, but I don't know him personally for myself. I, I don't know him as my Savior and Lord. I, I don't talk with him and he doesn't talk with me. I, I want to have that relationship like my family does. Some others in my family that seem like they got so much joy. A amen. I, I want to know this myself. And right now I say that the doors are open wide and Jesus' arms is open wide. And he says if you confess your sins that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, come and save me. Lord, Lord, turn me around. Lord, fix my heart. Lord, come in and live with me. And Lord, love on me and I want to love on you. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Amen. There is a name I 